Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Begum with you on this Thursday, January 18th, 2024. You're listening to the Beijing Hour, coming to you live from the Chinese capital. On today's program, China's announced a number of preferential policies for Ireland, including visa-free entry. Israel and Hamas have agreed to a deal that will allow vital medicines to reach the Gaza Strip. The IMF says China's GDP growth in 2023 was good for the country and for the entire world. In business, China's top economic regulator has outlined top priorities for the new year. In sports, a Chinese teenager reaches a new milestone for the country at the Australian Open. In culture and entertainment, the start of Chinese New Year festivities. Now the day's top stories. Chinese Premier Li Chung says China and Ireland should always regard each other as key cooperative partners. He met Irish Prime Minister Leo Varadkar during an official visit to the country. Li says China is ready to enhance cooperation with Ireland as the two countries mark 45 years of diplomatic ties. During the Premier's trip, China announced a series of preferential policies, including visa-free entry for Irish passport holders. Ken Brown has more. There was some great news for the Irish economy. First of all, uh, Premier Lee announced that Irish citizens now will have visa-free travel to China. They join a list of some five European nations who were uh, granted that recently, including Germany, Italy, Spain, the Netherlands and France. So Irish uh, businessmen and people can now travel to China for 15 days visa-free. We also heard an announcement that Irish beef, there will be a resumption of uh, Irish beef exports to China. Very important to the Irish agri-food industry here in Ireland. Uh, Ireland is actually the only country in the EU that has a trade surplus with China. Bilateral trade is worth around 25 billion euros. 15 billion euros of that goes from in goods and services from Ireland to China, including uh, microchips. Ireland replaced the United States as the biggest provider to China from the Intel factories that we find here. China has invested some $10 billion here in Ireland. Uh, companies, over 40 of them, like Huawei, like TikTok, like Uxi Biologics, all of those are here in Ireland. TikTok alone provides some 3,000 jobs. Uh, very positive for the local Dublin economy, the Irish economy in general. That was Ken Brown in Dublin. Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi's visited Cote d'Ivoire on the last leg of his New Year tour in Africa. He met Pre- uh, President Alassane Ouattara and said China is willing to work with all African countries to explore paths to prosperity and march toward modernization together. He also hailed bilateral cooperation under the China-Africa Cooperation Forum. Ma Ke has more. The two countries have enjoyed friendly relations since 1983 and in recent years exchange programs focused on trade, logistics and agriculture. Cote d'Ivoire is home to the headquarters of Africa's most prominent financial institution, the African Development Bank. Its exports to China have grown at an average uh, rate of 18.2% over the past decades, mainly focused on primary goods like rubber, oil and manganese. Another resource Cote d'Ivoire is looking to leverage is its logistics. The port of Abidjan was expanded through Chinese-founded corporation 
and a deal was signed with China's Guangzhou Port Authority, which means that uh, large vessels no longer need to stop in South Africa before smaller vessels can carry the goods to West African countries. There are cooperation, uh, cooperation in agriculture, Chinese experts aiding Ivorian farmers uh, into uh, techniques. The Gigido uh, Hydro Agricultural Area serves as a demonstration case for successful cooperation in various agricultural projects. Furthermore, cooperation agreements in 2022 materialized the operational rubber processing plants with an annual capacity of approximately 260,000 tons, equivalent to a quarter of the country's overall rubber production. That was Ma Ke reporting. Earlier on his visit, Wang Yi met with leaders in Togo as the two countries agreed to deepen ties and advance cooperation. Wang told Congolese President For Nessingbing that China will support Togo in achieving sustainable goals. While meeting uh, Prime Minister Victor Dogby, uh, Wang pledged China's support in accelerating industrialization in Togo. Chinese Foreign Minister also met his uh, Togolese counterpart and thanked Robert Dussey for Togo's commitment to the One China Principle. He also said China will be a reliable and long-term strategic partner for African countries. The Tianzhou 7 cargo spacecraft has delivered fresh supplies to China's space station. The new cargo ship completed a three-hour fast docking for the first time. Chen Tongsheng of the Chinese Academy of Space Technology explains how it's different. The design is based on the previous rendezvous and docking missions, which lasted for six and a half hours, or two hours, with the space station. It is a comprehensive optimization. It is more ideal for orbit injection accuracy of the rocket, direction adjustment of the station, and energy saving of the whole mission. The design has passed the verification and simulation. It is safe and reliable. China has also tried two-hour docking plans in its previous space missions. Engineers say the three-hour operation reduces pressure on the systems. Items on board Tianzhou 7 include necessities for the next crew and gifts for Shenzhou 17 astronauts for the year of the Lung or the Chinese Dragon. Uh, Chen Tongsheng says the spacecraft has a large capacity. The cargo ship carries live necessities of more than 2,400 kilograms, including fruits. It will meet the needs of both Shenzhou 17 and Shenzhou 18 crews. And it carries some large science experimental devices, including some weighing more than 100 kilograms. Tianzhou 7 has a very big flexibility in accommodating these cargoes in various sizes. Tianzhou 7 is China's first space mission this year, and the country will have two manned missions in 2024. Engineers say the three-hour docking procedure will become the mainstream model in time. Wang Yu at the Beijing Institute of Tracking and Telecommunication Technology says timely and smooth communication between ground and spacecraft plays an important role. Once the cargo spacecraft is in orbit, the only way it can communicate with the ground is through the telemetry communication link. The ground team will monitor the spacecraft's flight status and handle any emergencies. The communication team is responsible for the space-earth interface, verifying the operation state, generating the flight program, and rehearsing all mission factors to ensure a successful mission. The Shenzhou 17 crew members on board the space station will enter the cargo craft and transfer the payload as scheduled. Coming up, a deal allowing vital medicines to reach people in the Gaza Strip. Dive into news like never before with Deep Dive, the podcast from CGTN Radio. Join our global reporters for captivating stories and thought-provoking conversations. 
search Deep Dive on your favorite podcast platforms and get ready to dive in. At eight minutes past the hour, Israel and Hamas have reached a deal to allow medicines to reach Israeli hostages held in Gaza in exchange for humanitarian aid for Palestinians. Under the deal, mediated by Qatar and France, medicines will enter Gaza via Egypt. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu says the medicines can go into the territory without Israeli inspection. Associated Press News Director John Gambrell reports. All eyes are on the Gaza Strip and this possible medicine deal. Now, what this entails is medicine that has come from Qatar and landed in Egypt. It is loaded on five trucks. That medicine will then be redistributed, some of it going to the Palestinians, some of it going to the Israeli hostages still held by Hamas and other militant groups. It may seem like a small deal getting medicine into the Gaza Strip, but actually it's pretty big. There hasn't really been any sort of negotiated deal between Hamas and Israel since November. And as you will remember, dozens of hostages came out in that deal, and it saw days of ceasefire in that besieged Gaza Strip. From uh, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's hardline government, there was concerns about medicine going in to the Gaza Strip when they've engaged in a month-long siege that's blocked off electricity, water, food and other supplies from growing in, in their minds to basically weaken Hamas, but it's also affecting the over 2 million Palestinian civilians trapped there. And on the Hamas side, there's concerns that the Israelis could potentially track that med- those medicines to where those Israeli hostages are being held and possibly use that information to launch a military action. That was John Gambrell with the Associated Press. A World Health Organization officials described the medical situation in Gaza as a humanitarian catastrophe. Emergency medical team coordinator Sean Casey has concluded a five-week deployment in Gaza. In the meantime, the United Nations is warning of famine and deadly diseases. Jody Jacobs has details. After spending about five weeks in Gaza, the Health Emergency Office for the World Health Organization described the horror he witnessed. Sean Casey says there was a period during his visit when for 12 consecutive days the team could not deliver food, medicines, fuel or any supplies to one of the largest health facilities in Gaza. What I saw in in Al-Shifa, I'll tell you in particular, was um, a hospital that was brought down to becoming a trauma stabilization point. Basically, the whole hospital was filled with displaced persons, thousands of them, reportedly tens of thousands of them, living in the operating theaters, living in the corridors, living in the stairs. And the emergency department, seeing hundreds of patients a day, mostly trauma, with only a handful, literally five or six doctors or nurses, uh, to care for all of those people. Patients on the floor, so many that you could barely move without stepping on somebody's hands or or feet. One of the biggest hurdles, Casey says, is the continuous denial by Israeli authorities to move supplies, especially to the north of Gaza. But Israel insists it's doing everything it can to ease the suffering, saying it had facilitated the delivery of over 130,000 tons of humanitarian aid last week. The UN's Humanitarian Affairs Office reported that a total of 204 trucks carrying food, medicine and water entered the Strip through the Rafah and Karim Shalom crossings earlier this week. But those in need say it's not enough. Every movement throughout the Gaza Strip requires coordination. Every movement presents risks and logistical challenges. We tried every single day to overcome those challenges. Uh, to be able to provide some level of care and comfort 
uh, for the many thousands, 50, 60 plus thousand people who were injured, who are still awaiting care, thousands of surgical cases that are still awaiting care, and a health system that's really on its knees and unable to meet uh, the, the huge number of men, women, children, elderly, who are presenting to the hospitals every day uh, seeking, seeking some comfort. Cases account to reporters here in New York echoes that of many other UN humanitarian staff as well as the Secretary General. They believe the only way to avert this human catastrophe is for an immediate ceasefire. That was Jody Jacobs reporting from New York. Various events at the World Economic Forum have discussed Gaza, imbalance in development, and more. The United Nations chief has used the opportunity to urge a ceasefire and the delivery of aid. Evangelo Sipsis reports from Davos. Most of the speakers today uh, spoke about a lot of the conflicts that are happening around the world, from the State Secretary Anthony Blinken to the Foreign Minister of Iran, but also the Secretary General of the United Nations, Antonio Guterres. And he specifically mentioned of what's going on in Gaza is that the parties there are trampling upon international law because they're not creating any humanitarian ceasefire. He said specifically that they need to be a humanitarian ceasefire because those mostly affected by it are women and children. I repeat my call for an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza and the process that leads to sustained peace for Israelis and Palestinians based on a two-state solution that is the only way to stem the suffering and prevent a spillover that could send the entire region up in flames. A lot were said from the foreign minister of Iran, uh, specifically about those attacks in Pakistan. He said that they were targeted towards a terrorist organization that has members of it from Iran, Iranian members in that organization. And he, he said specifically that that terrorist organization is actually either working for or with Israel in the region. He said that the, what Iran did is only trying to secure its borders and security in the wider region. Now, on the other hand, the Pakistani officials are saying that this is an illegal attack on their soil, saying that if something like this does escalate, Iran will face serious consequences from Pakistan. That was Evangelo Sipsis reporting. An Ecuadorian prosecutor who focuses on pursuing organized transnational crime in uh, Guayas province has been killed. Cesar Suarez had been investigating the on-air attack at a television station in the province last week. Ecuadorian State Attorney General uh, Diana Salazar Mendez has described the killing as atrocious, saying that such a crime will not go unpunished. In view of the murder of our colleague Cesar Suarez, prosecutor of the National Specialized Unit for Investigations Against Transnational Organized Crime in Guayas, I'm going to be emphatic. Organized crime groups, criminals, terrorists will not stop our commitment to Ecuadorian society. We will continue with more strength and commitment. Defense Minister Giancarlo Lafredo also condemned the killing and expressed grief to Suarez's family. We reject all forms of violence in response to the conflict we are experiencing. We reaffirm the government's strong commitment to support the administration of justice. Ecuadorians are together and united in a single force, a single Ecuador. Preliminary investigation at the site of the killing is underway. Ecuador has suffered a burst of violence, including the TV station attack, the hostage taking of prison staff, explosions in cities, and kidnapping of police officers. President Daniel Noboa has declared a 60 day state of emergency and designated 22 criminal groups as terrorist organizations.
British lawmakers have voted in favor of Prime Minister Rishi Sunak's Rwanda plan to send asylum seekers who arrive in Britain illegally to the African country. The bill has passed the lower chamber of the parliament and will go to the upper chamber for its first reading. British Interior Minister James Cleverly says the bill sends a clear message that those illegally entering the country cannot stay. This bill has been meticulously drafted to end the merry-go-round of legal challenges. People will not be able to use our asylum laws, human rights laws or judicial reviews to block their legitimate removal. And the default will be for claims to be heard outside of this country. Only a very small number of migrants who face a real and imminent risk of serious and irreversible harm will be able to appeal decisions in the UK. UK reached a deal with Rwanda in April of 2022 to allow illegal immigrants and asylum seekers to be sent to the African country to have their claims processed there. They'll be granted permanent residency in Rwanda if successful, instead of being allowed to return to Britain. The Chinese embassy in the United States has hosted a reception for the 45th anniversary of diplomatic relations and to welcome the Chinese New Year. Chinese Ambassador Xia Feng and uh, Stephen Orleans from the National Committee on China-U.S. Relations addressed the event. Uh, Baini Li has more. As the national anthems of China and the U.S. filled the air, a momentous celebration unfolded marking the 45-year milestone between the two nations. I would like to propose a toast to the 45th anniversary of the establishment of diplomatic relations between China and the United States, to the friendship between the peoples of China and the United States, to the upcoming Spring Festival, and to the health and happiness of all friends here and your loved ones. Cheers. As we enter this new year, Let the American and Chinese people bravely and with courage work together to realize the vision of President Carter and Deng Xiaoping and make the world a safer and more prosperous place for the next generation. At the reception, guests from around the world gathered to revisit pivotal moments in the China-U.S. relationship and shared their insights on the future of nurturing positive relations. If people communicate, wonderful things happen. And we've seen very little communication in the last six years. That's why we're in this situation today. But as long as we're communicating, we're sharing stories, we're we're sharing ideas, it's easy. It's very important that both countries keep their relations at a good level, both diplomatically, but also culturally, and economically and reduce military tensions. People-to-people exchange, people-to-people cooperation to build trust, to build experience in exchange and cooperation because when, there's, when, when, when we know each other, when there is trust, then we can do a lot and we can achieve a lot together. With a nod to the upcoming Spring Festival, the event featured captivating music performances, blending U.S. and Chinese classics, to enrich the cultural tapestry of the affair. It is an incredible honor to be here tonight, uh, to be able to see different examples over that 45 years. Looking at my job, what I'm doing is I'm helping 23,000 of students learning Chinese language. So I think it's personally meaningful to me because I'm actually playing a very positive role in building and keep strengthening 
the relationship between China and the U.S., so I'm very proud of that. As memories and music filled the diplomatic halls, so did hopes and aspirations for a future marked by renewed commitment to a shared China-U.S. journey. That was Bainey Lee with a report on Chinese and American people's wishes for a better future. Coming up, the IMF has commented on China's strong GDP growth in 2023. The Zimbabwean government is advising farmers to halt crop planting due to drought fears. The southern African country is expected to experience a short and intense farming season disrupted by the El Nino phenomenon. This week on Climate Watch, we delve into the challenges faced by Zimbabwe's agricultural sector amidst the escalating weather anomalies. Subscribe to Climate Watch on your favorite podcast platforms. 21 minutes past the hour. The managing director of the International Monetary Fund has described China's economic growth in 2023 as good news for China and the world. Kristalina Georgieva was speaking in Davos on the sidelines of the annual meeting of the World Economic Forum. China's National Bureau of Statistics says the country's GDP expanded 5.2% last year to a new high of 126 trillion yuan. Georgieva also welcomed China's efforts on improving the quality of its economic growth and shifting from relying on exports to a consumption-driven model. China is the world's largest producer and consumer of hydrogen. It produced 33 million tons of that clean energy in 2021. Germany considers China's share in the global market important to Berlin's aim to build up production capabilities. Natalie Carney reports. Here at the Center for Applied Aviation Research, engineers are developing fuel cell systems for use in commercial aircrafts. The key ingredient is hydrogen. It's produced using electrolysis, with so-called green hydrogen being made using electricity generated by renewable energy. Hydrogen doesn't emit greenhouse gases when it's burned, and it can create a large amount of power. The bigger you get, the more advantage of hydrogen will come. And we need it for the agricultures. We need it for steel industry. We need it somehow for everyone. And yeah, especially now emerging is like um, the heavy-duty transport sector and aviation. Germany is investing close to $10 billion towards its goal of 10 gigawatts of electrolysis generation capacity by 2030. Yet domestic demand for hydrogen is expected to be three times higher. We need to scale it up, scale it up, scale it up uh, to get the amounts we need. That's where China, which accounts for around one-third of global hydrogen production, could prove a strategic partner for Germany. We can see in China they have huge amounts of production already. This scaling up process in the next years we need in Germany, and I think this is something we need to learn from them. Some companies are already collaborating. German automotive supplier Bosch has begun making fuel cell power modules in China, while Chinese company Jiangsu Guofu Hydrogen Energy Equipment has unveiled plans to build a one gigawatt electrolysis factory in Brandenburg, Germany. While Germany and China explore areas of partnership in the production and application of hydrogen, there's also vast cooperation opportunities in the area of education to develop this burgeoning field. Heinze Academy is one of the first vocational training institutes to offer a professional curriculum in hydrogen and fuel cell technology in Germany. 
They see the need for trained individuals to develop the country's hydrogen sector and the potential China has to offer. Experts say 10 years ago, Europe has been 10 years ahead of China. Today, China is 10 years ahead of us and has a higher pace in development. And we're trying to discuss or to find out with them how we can cooperate in the area of training. If we train Chinese people and Chinese people train us and we interchange skilled workers, this is the way uh, that helps us to reach our common goal to decarbonize globally. Berlin is working on a policy framework that will encourage further much-needed investment in the hydrogen sector. But further cooperation is required if Germany is going to find and train the skilled professional it needs to establish itself as a major technology provider and importer of green hydrogen. That was Natalie Carney on partnership between Chinese and German companies on hydrogen. Winter sports take on a new form in eastern China as Qingdao hosts the International Ice Sailing Competition. It's attracted competitors from all over the world. And Chen Mengfei reports. On the icy expanse of the Bohai Sea, athletes from 10 countries, including the United States, the United Kingdom, Russia, Switzerland, and China, showcase their skills. It's the first time the international ice sailing competition has made a stop in China. This is the only place in China that has sea ice, and it's rare to have sea ice elsewhere in the world as well. We're blessed with this resource. China is fairly new to the sport, which dates back to 18th century Europe. Sailing on ice is much faster than on water, with speeds reaching 150 kilometers per hour. Athletes lie down in the boat while controlling the vessel, which is nested on blades and powered by wind. Part of the reason why we are here, we are trying to share all information we can because we want China to be strong in a short time, yeah, because we like competition and we want to sail against the best sailors in the world and also those from China. Besides fostering sportsmanship, the competition also played a crucial role in promoting winter tourism in this city that's little known to foreigners. By successfully hosting the first international ice sailing competition, China has demonstrated its eagerness to broaden its footprint in the world of winter sports, building on the legacy established through the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing. That was Chen Mengfei on ice sailing in China. The head of the Swiss Tourism Bureau says the country is ready to welcome more Chinese tourists amid a growing appetite for snow and ice activities. Switzerland Tourism CEO Martin Neidegger says that he takes hope from the popularity of winter tourism in China as the country is looking to attract more overseas visitors. He says he's especially impressed with Harbin, dubbed the Ice City in China, which has been attracting flocks of visitors nationwide with colorful activities. I think the name Harbin, the brand Harbin, and what it stands for, for ice sculptures, is, is pretty famous. I'm very impressed. I'm a tourism professional and I am impressed. We could learn from Harbin how they do such a phenomenal, spectacular sculpture festival. Harbin's Tourism Bureau chief uh, says the northeastern city pioneered ice and snow tourism and he hopes for increased collaboration with Switzerland in the future. During Premier Li Chung's visit to Switzerland this week, China announced that it would grant visa-free entry for Swiss citizens. And Switzerland will streamline visa processing procedures for Chinese nationals and businesses.
We're at 28 minutes past the hour. Checking the forecast out of the break, and Beijing's down to minus 5 on Thursday evening. Friday will be cloudy with a high of 0. Nanchang has a moderate rainfall tonight. The rain will continue through the day tomorrow with a high of 8. Elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad's down to 4 this evening. It's overcast in 20 on Friday. Vientiane's at 19 overnight, then cloudy in 33. Phnom Penh's 23 this evening. Tomorrow's overcast in 36. In Africa, Nairobi will see a light rainfall with a high of 30 on Friday. Kampala's 21 overnight. Tomorrow has a light rain with a high of 26. Juba's at 22 this evening, then cloudy and 37 degrees. And finally to Oceania, Port Vila's at 24 this evening. Tomorrow has a slight rainfall with a high of 31 degrees Celsius. It's time for a short break. So far this hour, China's announced a number of preferential policies for Ireland, including visa-free entry. Israel and Hamas have agreed to a deal that will allow vital medicines to reach the Gaza Strip. The IMF says China's GDP growth in 2023 was good for the country and for the entire world. Shane Bigham with you. Stay with us here on the Beijing app. I love you. 我爱你. This might be the easiest way to say I love you, since there are so many other romantic expressions. No matter if you're a rookie, or a sophisticated learner, there is definitely something that will interest you. Check out Takeaway Chinese, a world that starts with 你好. Examining the events that impact and shape China and the rest of the world. This is the Beijing Hour, one hour of news and information brought to you every weekday. Now here's your host. Shane Begum with you on this Thursday. Still to come. In business, China's top economic regulator has outlined top priorities for the new year. In sports, a Chinese teenager reaches a new milestone for the country at the Australian Open. In culture and entertainment, the start of Chinese New Year festivities. Contact us, you can email radio at cgtn.com or follow our X account, formerly Twitter, at CGTN Radio. First of all, with the day's headline news, here's Wang Zihang. Thank you, Shane. China has reiterated its demand that the Philippines should not damage Beijing's legitimate interests in the South China Sea when developing ties with other countries. A foreign ministry spokesperson says China supports the peaceful settlement of disputes through negotiations. She was responding to a question on the Philippine Defense Secretary's recent remark on cooperation with the U.S. and resource exploration in the region. The spokesperson says regulations should be set up to manage differences and resources should be jointly explored until disputes are resolved. The high interest rate environment has become a hot-button topic of discussion among participants at the World Economic Forum. The BRICS New Development Bank has been promoting local currency transactions in an effort to reduce reliance on the US dollar in international trade and finance. Vice President Vladimir Kazbekov explained the NDB's measure of reducing dependency on the greenback through use of the Chinese currency. China provided uh, for uh, international development banks uh, special, you know, for like rights or special conditions. Now we can use CNY abroad and direct um, and uh, finance projects we've seen by outside China directly. Now we're considering first projects of that type in the, in the member countries like Brazil. And now we can swap CNY uh, without any limit from uh, to USD or any other currency. And we're also considering direct swap from CNY to other member countries' currencies. 
He noted that de-dollarization is a challenging process, but emphasized that support of member countries for local currency settlement will bring new opportunities. Senior Hamas official Osama Hamdan says the group has agreed to a deal to bring medication into Gaza for the Israeli hostages held in the Strip, on the condition that the deal includes Palestinian people too. We have said that our people will not have to stand in line behind someone else. So if there is any initiative to send medicine, it must include our people, and the provider should be the Palestinian people. Our brothers in Qatar work to bring in medication, and we thank them. The government of France contributed to this partly. The Qatari brokered deal allows prescription drugs purchased in France to be delivered to the hostages. It also includes the delivery of medicine and other humanitarian aid for Palestinians living in Gaza. The WHO health emergency officer says he was he has witnessed atrocious living conditions and an increased burden of care that is leading to death and collapse of the healthcare system in Gaza. Sean Casey served as the emergency medical team coordinator based in Rafah during his five-week deployment to the Strip. He says only 16 out of 36 hospitals across Gaza remain functioning, and he visited six of them. We have been and continue to try to deliver critical medicines, medical consumables, uh, fuel to the functioning hospitals that are still working, uh, trying to continue to surge in additional health workers, doctors and nurses, uh, to meet the enormous demand uh, of trauma patients, but also patients with every other clinical presentation that you would normally see the pregnant women who still need antenatal care and who still need to deliver, the people who require dialysis, um, etc. And facing many challenges uh, in doing so. Access constraints, security constraints, limitations on our movements. Casey says they were not able to deliver food, medicines, fuel and supplies to the largest health facility in Gaza for 12 days. The official adds that the WHO is working on mobilizing additional field hospitals and healthcare workers to backfill the displaced medical workers to meet the increased burden of care created by injuries. Pakistan has launched retaliatory missile strikes into neighboring Iran two days after an Iranian attack killed several Pakistanis, including children. Pakistan's head comes after it was outraged by an earlier Iranian strike, which Tehran says was aimed at terrorist groups. Islamabad had warned its neighbor of serious consequences and banned Iran's ambassador from returning to his home country. It has also withdrawn its own envoy from Tehran. Iran has insisted its strikes was aimed only at terrorists and not Pakistani civilians. The United States has conducted another round of strikes against Houthi targets in Yemen as the militants claimed their second attack this week on a U.S.-operated vessel. Meantime, the Biden administration has again identified the Yemeni group as a terrorist organization. Houthi officials says the designation uh, will not deter from them from launching more attacks. Finally, in the United Kingdom... Uh, The country's lawmakers have voted to approve Prime Minister Rishi Sunak's plan to send more asylum seekers to Rwanda. Sunak has made stopping arrivals from France in small boats a central aim of his government. 
Under the Rwanda bill, migrants who arrive in Britain illegally face being sent to the African country to have their asylum claims processed. Right, thank you very much. That was Wang Zihong with Headline News. This is Shane Begum in the Chinese capital. Coming up in business, China's top economic regulators outline priorities for the new year. The business of Beijing is set to become a sunrise industry in China. Beijing has made the silver economy a priority for the country's high-quality development, pledging greater financial support. What's the weakest link in this area? What investment opportunities are up for grabs? And how can the interests of the elderly be better protected in the process? Find out the answers on this week's Chat Lounge, anywhere you get your podcasts, and on CGTN Radio. 38 minutes past the hour, turning to business news now. And here's Do Hongyu. Thank you, Shane. And we start with the equity market. The Chinese mainland markets closed higher on Thursday. He Jian has more. The Chinese mainland market staged a comeback. The Shanghai Composite Index was down 1.6%, but came back to close a bit less than half of 1% higher. The CSI 300 enjoyed an even stronger rebound, adding 2.5% by the end of the session. Analysts point to a number of large funds buying into ETFs tracking the CSI 300. Several reportedly had huge spikes in turnover and trading volume. There was also renewed interest in AI stocks among mainland investors. AI was a main subject of Premier Li Qiang's keynote speech at Davos and has been one of the major topics under discussion at the World Economic Forum. A sub-index tracking AI stocks on the Chinese mainland was up 2.7%. That was He Jian in Shanghai. In Hong Kong, the Hang Seng Index increased more than 0.7%. In Japan, the Nikkei ended almost flat. China's top economic regulator has outlined seven major tasks for the coming year. The tasks include facilitating industrial digitalization, deepening opening up, vitalizing the rural economy, and ensuring food safety. The National Development and Reform Commission has also underscored the need for stability, especially in the job market. It says China's economy withstood external pressure and overcame internal difficulties in 2023, demonstrating traits of stability, progress and improvement. China stepped up tax and fee reductions for businesses to boost market vitality last year. Newly implemented tax refunds, as well as cuts and deferrals of taxes and fees, exceeded 2.2 trillion yuan or nearly 310 billion U.S. dollars in 2023. Officials say the measures have effectively helped stabilize expectations and improved market confidence and vitality. The authorities added that the measures have optimized services for the private economy, in particular micro, small and medium-sized enterprises. China is prioritizing economic support for small businesses, which make up 80% of urban employment nationwide. In Shanghai, small coffee shops are benefiting from tax cuts as they navigate stiff competition. Chen Tong has the story. Hidden in a quiet Shanghai side street, this unassuming coffee shop faces the challenge of saturating the market with over 8,000 rivals. Business is not bad, but competition is fierce. The area between Yongjia Road and South Xiangyang Road has a lot of coffee shops. If we want to live longer, we need to have the right products. So most of her money is gone on product research. In 2023, this shop benefited from over 8,000 yuan, approximately 1,100 US dollars in value-added tax exemptions. 
8,000 yuan this coffee shop saved from tax exemptions last year can buy 10,000 paper cups. To these little shops, every penny counts. 8,000 yuan can help us pay the internet fees for a year or help us save money on water or electricity fees. With 8,000 yuan, we can also buy dozens of bags of coffee beans or 10,000 takeaway cups. Shanghai witnessed over 110 billion yuan, approximately 15.4 billion U.S. dollars in tax cuts and refunds in the first 11 months of 2023. Many small taxpayers were the main beneficiaries. The tax exemptions help to reduce small companies' burdens in their business operations and financing, which play an important role in stabilizing the economy, boosting innovation, and creating more jobs. The first 11 months of 2023 saw total tax cuts and exemptions surpassing 1.8 trillion yuan, over 250 billion U.S. dollars nationwide. And over 60% of taxpayers that benefited were small-sized companies. That was Chen Tong reporting. Chinese authorities say SciTech innovation is among the throne of new growth drivers behind the country's high-quality development. According to the National Bureau of Statistics, pursuing innovation-driven development as the country's growth engine has maintained high on the priority list. Spokesperson Wang Guanghua highlights the role of new growth drivers for the country's high-quality development. In 2023, the added value of the equipment manufacturing industry above the designated size increased by 6.8% year-on-year, playing a key role in ensuring industrial stability, rebound and recovery. According to a report released by the World Intellectual Property Organization in 2023, China's ranking on the Global Innovation Index has moved up to 12, and China has the largest number of global top 100 SciTech innovation clusters. The index measures the vitality of new industries, new business forms and models. The sub-indices cover the internet economy, innovation capability, economic vitality and industrial upgrade. U.S. retail sales increased more than expected in, in December as consumers buy more motor vehicles and retailers offer discounts. Data from the U.S. Commerce Department's Census Bureau shows that the country's retail sales rose 0.6 percent last month. Karina Mitchell has details. Well, it really shows that Americans still have spending power and it, Americans have money in their pockets. So one thing you know that they want to do is spend. And right now, wages are outpacing inflation. So this was actually a strong report. The headline number month over month for advanced retail sales in December up by six tenths of a percent. The estimate was for a rise of three tenths of a percent. X autos and gas, that number also went up. November retail sales also were revised upward as well. And compared to last year's holiday quarter and this one, Sales were up 3.9 percent. Retailers were very concerned about that going into the end part of the year when everyone expected the economy to slow. So this was really great news for retailers and a testament to them because they really started rolling out deals very much earlier as evidenced by the revised November data. And they kept those deals coming. So perhaps people decided to shop for themselves as well as for friends and family. Now, nine out of 13 categories in the release saw an increase in sales. Those included motor vehicles up by 1.1 percent, uh, clothing and accessories also up by one and a half percent, non-retail stores also up by one and a half percent, department store sales surprisingly up by three percent. 
percent. Now, on the flip side, we saw sales at health care and personal care stores slip by 1.4 percent, sales at gas station down by 1.3 percent. The big question is, you know, we know why retailers care about these numbers, because the holiday sales are when they make the most money. But why do analysts and pundits care so much? Well, it's because they want to see if we are on track to achieve this so-called soft landing, where the Federal Reserve in the U.S. can cut inflation without wrecking the economy. This data shows that they're clearly moving in the right direction. And the core numbers for advanced retail sales will actually go into fourth quarter GDP, something that everyone was quite concerned about, thinking that it would slow after a very strong third quarter. So it'll be interesting to see how these results pan out and then compare it to China, which also released retail data month over month in December. Uh, monthly number is 7.4 percent compared to December one year ago. That was a very strong number and showed momentum. But the U.S. is also holding its own and doing quite well. We're actually also seeing disinflation on this side of the things, even though CPI went up slightly in the latest, latest report to 3.4 percent. The cost of goods, because the U.S. dollar is quite so strong, is cheaper to import. So that's an advantage that ends up in the consumer's favor. Energy costs also lower, so transportation of goods also coming down. We're seeing disinflation across the board in several categories, including food that you buy in the aisle, egg prices down by 27 percent year over year, even things like lettuce down 17 percent. So the American consumer has a lot to be happy about, and this was a strong retail report. That was Karina Michel reporting. All right, thank you very much. And that was uh, Do Hongyu with Business. You're listening to the Beijing Hour. Coming up in sports, a Chinese teenager reaches a new milestone for the country at the Australian Open. Sideline Story brings you all things sports related. The hottest topics, latest events, juiciest stories, all with a very personal take. Subscribe to Sideline Story Podcast for heated sports discussions covering events that are happening in China and around the world. 47 past the hour now. Turning to sports, and here's Yang Guang. Thank you, Shane. At the Australian Open, teenager Xiang Juncheng made history by becoming the first male player from the Chinese mainland to break into the third round at Melbourne Park. The 18-year-old produced another comeback victory to beat Indian opponent Sumit Nagel in four sets. He next faced his second seed, Carlos Alcaraz, who progressed after a four-set victory over Lorenzo Sonego. Top Chinese women's player Zheng Qingwen missed five match points before hammering an ace in the sixth to dispatch Katie Bolter 6-3, 6-3 in windy conditions. She advanced to the last 32 at the Grand Slam event for the first time in her career. Zhang Zhijian's campaign in Melbourne ended with a second-round loss to Ugo Ambert. Still in Melbourne, world number one Novak Djokovic overcame a ferocious challenge from Alex G. Poprain to reach the third round on Wednesday. The 10-time champion had to save four set points on his serve to avoid falling behind 2-1 and survived a four-set scare for the second straight match. I haven't been playing my best, but I've been still trying to find a form, particularly in the early rounds. Um, you play players that have nothing to lose, really. You know, they come out on the center court trying to play their best, best match, best tennis. And you know, I think both my first and second round opponents uh, were really, really uh, great quality tennis players. And 
managed to, to find a way to win four. That, that's what counts in the end. Hopefully, I'll be able to build this as tournament progresses. Meanwhile, defending women's champion Arena Sabalenka eased into the third round after powering past the 16-year-old qualifier Brenda Frovatova 6-3, 6-2. The Belarusian player is bidding to become the first woman to defend the Australian Open title since Victoria Zarenka in 2013. I'm not thinking about confidence, I'm just trying to play my best and if it goes to two sets, uh, I'm happy to win in, in two sets and if it's going to be three sets, um, I don't care, I just try to focus on myself and, and, and fight for every point and it's not like this too much, it's give me uh, confidence, uh, it's tennis, uh, you have to be ready for anything so I'm, I'm trying to focus on myself and focus on bringing the best tennis I can. Other seeded players Coco Gauff, Yannick Sinner and Andrei Rublev also made it through, but Maria Sakari and Caroline Garcia crashed out. Turning to football, Team China played another goalless draw at AFC Asian Cup after settling with Lebanon in their second Group A game. Both teams created scoring chances but were unable to break the deadlock. Lebanon had two long-range shots hit the bar in each half, while Chinese forward Wu Lei missed a shot inches away from an empty net as his tap was cleared by a Lebanese defender off the line. Chinese winger Xie Pengfei says the team was not precise enough to convert opportunities. Every player on the team tried our best and spared no efforts, and we were not good enough in some details, including seizing opportunities in front of our opponent's goal and giving away too many chances. So we have a lot of room for improvement. We expected some physical battles before the game, and we should have been more confident and flexible to show our advantages against those physical challenges. China was also goalless against Tajikistan in their tournament opener. In the, other game, uh, in the other game of the group, host Qatar beat Tajikistan 1-0 and became the first team to book a place in the knockout stage. China next takes on Qatar on Monday with three points guaranteeing a last 16 spot. Chinese Super League club Dalian Pro has announced its dissolution after failing to get a license for the upcoming season. The club finished 15th last season to avoid relegation, but will not participate in the new campaign when it kicks off later in the year. The club said in a statement that it was unable to operate due to debt issues. Thursday marks the 30-day countdown for China's 14th National Winter Games. The Inner Mongolia Ice Sports Training Center, the main venue for the games in the host city of Hulunbel, has undergone a series of upgrades to meet the standard for the high-level competitions. The legacy of the Beijing Winter Olympics allows the bobsleigh and luge events to take place at the Yanqing National Sliding Center. Previously, the two sports were to be held abroad. These year's games will also incorporate ski mountaineering, which is a newly added event for the 2026 Winter Olympics. Ricky Brabeck edged closer to securing the Dakar Rally Bikes title after winning Stage 10, the Americans' first stage win of the year. Brabeck now leads Botswana's Ross Browns by nearly 11 minutes. In the car category, Carlos Sainz remains in control despite having his worst day of the rally so far. The Spanish veteran suffered a series of problems, including two flat tires, and finished 22nd on the day. But his French title rival Spartian Loeb failed to take full advantage with 
with just a 16th place finish on Wednesday. It means he's still 13 minutes and 22 seconds behind Sainz in the overall standings. Zi Yungang had the best finish among Chinese drivers on Wednesday in 55th, while Sun Xiangyan continues her bid to become the first ever female Chinese driver to finish the Dhaka Rally. And finally, in the NBA, media reports say the Raptors are trading Pascal Siakam to the Pacers, ending a run of nearly eight years with Toronto. Siakam was part of the team that won the 2019 NBA title. He's going to Indiana in exchange for three future first-round draft picks, guard Bruce Brown and forward Jordan Nwara. Indiana are the NBA's highest-scoring team in this season. The Pacers now get to pair Siakam alongside all-star guard Tyrese Halliburton. All right, thank you very much. That was Yang Guang with sports. Coming up in culture and entertainment, the start of Chinese New Year festivities. The Beijing Hour. Hello, I'm Peter Dinklage from X-Men Days of Future Past. You are listening to The Beijing Hour. Hi, I'm Kathy Freeman, and you're listening to The Beijing Hour. Hi everyone, I'm Lang Lang. Welcome to the Beijing Hour. The Beijing Hour, your window to China and the world. 53 past the hour, turning to culture and entertainment. Thursday marks this year's Laba Festival, which is celebrated on the eighth day of the 12th lunar month. Uh, the festival marks the start of Chinese New Year celebrations. Zhang Songwu has more from Chengdu on how the locals celebrate the occasion. As a well-known Buddhist temple in Sichuan province, the Wenshu Temple in Chengdu offers free Laba Kanji from Tuesday to Thursday, as Thursday marks the Laba festival this year. A huge crowd had been queuing up with the hope that with the help of chefs and volunteers in the temple, the Kanji would bring luck and happiness. The Laba festival is a reminder that the spring festival is approaching, and it's Laba Kanji. It's a mix of ingredients like peanuts, lotus seeds, and glutinous rice. It is said that the Laba festival was also the Enlightenment Day of the Buddha. In China, the Laba Kanji has been popular for over a thousand years. It also marks the beginning of the spring festival period. As a traditional Chinese event, it's also popular among young Chinese. For me, all traditional Chinese festivals, including the Laba Festival, are very important events. Although we don't have holidays in the Laba Festival, I love traditional Chinese culture, and we can learn the tradition and history of China from those festivals. The Wenshu Temple offers free kanji every year, and my mom and I visit here every year. As Chinese, I think we must respect these traditional festivals as much as we can. They exist because they are meaningful, although they sometimes might die out a little bit. For residents and the tourists in Chengdu, the Wenshu Temple is not the only place to eat lucky kanji. From January 16th to 18th, except for offering kanji here in the temple, we have also worked with communities, supermarkets and care homes for the elderly, supplying people with about 350,000 cups of kanji, including 100,000 in the temple. Volunteers also sat as a base of both Buddhism and a traditional Chinese culture. They feel obliged to promote the festival and offer people a spiritual home to rely on in a faster-paced age. That was Zhang Songwu on the celebration of the Laba Festival in Chengdu. 
Beijing's Yanqing District is planning to build a scenic area centered around the Battling Great Wall, integrating other sections of the World Heritage Site. Starting this year, the district will establish sightseeing trails linking surrounding Great Wall sections. Authorities will also upgrade the nearby commercial strips to meet tourist demand for accommodation, catering, and shopping. In addition, the China Great Wall Museum is under construction at the foot of the mountains in Badaling. Beijing has about 520 kilometers of the Great Wall, of which the Battling section is the most visited. Ariana Grande has announced that she'll release her new album titled Eternal Sunshine on March 8th. Earlier, Grande released her first single from the album titled Yes And. The two-time Grammy Award winner first revealed the news of the upcoming album last month when she teased the work on her Instagram page. It'll be her seventh studio album and first since 2020's Positions. It's a big year for the 30-year-old who is set to star in the upcoming movie version of the Broadway musical Wicked. Chinese singer Gong Linna has released a new song titled Return Home, which portrays overseas Chinese people longing for their homeland. Performed in Chaozhou dialect, one of the oldest dialects in China, the song's part of Gong's music project involving different dialects of the country. Gong released the song ahead of the Spring Festival, an occasion when people return to their hometowns and reunite with family. The song was inspired by Chao Pi, a unique form of mail that served as both a letter and a remittance sent by overseas Chinese people to their families in the 19th and 20th centuries. We're at 58 past the hour now, and uh, Beijing's down to minus 5 on Thursday evening. Friday has cloudy skies and a high of only 0. Nanchang will have moderate rainfall tonight. The, the rain continues with a high of 8 tomorrow. Elsewhere in Asia, Islamabad's at 4 this evening. It's overcast and 20 on Friday. Vientiane's at 19 tonight. Uh, tomorrow's cloudy and 33. Phnom Penh's 23 overnight, then overcast skies and 36 degrees. In Africa, Nairobi is getting a light rainfall with a high of 30 on Friday. Kampala's 21 overnight, then a light rainfall and 26 degrees. Ajub is at 22 this evening, then cloudy and 37. And finally to Oceania, Port Vila 24 this evening, then a light rainfall and 31. And that's it for this edition of the Beijing Hour. Making news today, China's announced a number of preferential policies for Ireland, including visa-free entry into China. On behalf of the staff, this is Shane Bigham in the Chinese capital, hoping you'll join us for the next edition of the Beijing Hour and open a window to the world together.